Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. I'm not going to do my usual spiel that I say at the beginning of most episodes. I'm going to be talking a bit about something a bit more personal, and it relates to my puppy, Boris. Over the past month, I've noticed that his breathing has become a bit different. It's raspy, he's a bit out of breath more, and he tends to hack up his food a bit more while eating. So I took him to the vet and I found that he has a uh, condition called laryngeal paralysis, which is the first stage of a neurological disease that's similar to ALS in humans. But thankfully, that's slow moving and it's not really a concern until well down the road. But what is a concern now is the paralysis. And this is caused when abductor muscles in the larynx are not working properly and they're not expanding and opening for a deep breath. And so it's not a horrible condition initially, but... It does mean that generally he would have one to three years left. Um, or in some cases, in more extreme cases, dogs only have a few months. So I'm looking to raise some money for his surgery. Uh, it costs $5,000, which is not cheap and well beyond what I can afford. So I've organized a GoFundMe. You don't have to, to donate. If you can even just share it, I would appreciate it. I just would like to get a few extra years with my dog. A bit of cool news. My other podcast, Canadian History X, is up for a Canada Podcasting Award in the category of Society and Culture. So to vote, you need to be a podcaster. So if you are a podcaster and you enjoy my shows, I would truly appreciate it if you could give me a vote. The link to vote will be in my show notes. And thanks again. While Jules Leger had great potential as a governor general, the stroke he suffered only six months after he came to the post greatly limited his ability to serve. When it came time for a new governor general in 1979, Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau chose someone much younger who had already made a name for himself in Canada, Edward Schreier. Today I am looking at the 22nd governor general, who was the first former premier to serve in the post, and as of this writing and recording, the first Governor-General I am covering who is still alive. Edward Schreier was born in Manitoba on December 21, 1935 to German-Austrian parents. His grandparents on his mother's side had come from western Ukraine to Canada. As a child, he would attend school in his hometown and then go on to the University of Manitoba where he received a Bachelor of Education in 1962 and a Master of Arts in International Relations. He followed that with a Master of Arts in Economics in 1963. From 1962 to 1965, he was a professor of international relations at St. Paul's College. And while pursuing his degrees, he would meet his wife, Lily Schultz, with whom he had two sons and two daughters. In 1958, when he was still earning his post-secondary education, Schreier was elected to the Manitoba legislature at the age of only 22, making him the youngest person ever elected to the assembly. He would serve in the Manitoba legislature until 1965, when he then ran for parliament, becoming a member of parliament and serving there until 1968. His wife Lily said of his time in office in parliament, quote, When he got there, Ed didn't like it. We never went anywhere. We missed our friends. I think I could have adjusted, but Ed's still basically a small-town boy. End quote. At this point, when he was only 33, he left federal politics and became the leader of the new Democratic Party of Manitoba. 
As a Catholic with Eastern European ancestry, he was the first leader of the party in Manitoba without British and Protestant ancestry. In 1969, Schreier led his party to an upset in the provincial election, with the party picking up 17 seats and going from third place in the legislature to first. His election win ended four straight victories for the progressive conservatives in the province. Schreier now found himself to be the premier of Manitoba, and at the age of 34, he was also the youngest premier in Manitoba's history. Premier Weir is playing it cool. Cigar in hand, he tours the province shaking hands with hundreds. He's made few speeches, avoided confrontations with the opposition and steered clear of controversial issues. He says he's got no shopping list for the voters, just an offer of continued conservatism stressing his balanced budget. The Liberals tried to hot things up a la Trudeau, while trying to forget their federal affiliation. The forecasters agree that it's certainly not a liberal hour in the West. Their new provincial leader, Bobby Benn, failed to draw government fire on any major issue, although Mr. Benn insists that Mr. Weir's decision to cut off the legislature in mid-session for a snap election will hurt the government of the poll. Mr. Weir has fooled himself on this. Definitely the people know now if they didn't know before that uh, this uh, calling of this election was a pure political maneuver and that party came ahead of people, and they don't like it. With former MP Ed Schreier at the helm, the new Democrats have mounted an all-out act, hoping to break into the rural riding with a leader who talks the language of the discontented farmers. Mr. Schreier says he's a social democrat rather than a socialist. I'm a reformer, I'm a progressive, a small L liberal, a social democrat really, and which means that I believe in the, in the active use of government as an instrument or a tool to get things done, to work toward greater equality in the human condition. The Vancouver Sun would praise the rapid rise of Schreier, stating, quote, If you were to program a future political leader, you would give him the credentials of Schreier, end quote. One seat short of a majority, initially the Liberals and Progressive Conservatives formed a coalition to keep Schreier from coming to power, but then Liberal MLA Laurent Desjardins threw his support over to Schreier, allowing Schreier to take office as Premier. As Premier, Schreier would oversee the amalgamation of Winnipeg with its suburbs, his government would also introduce public automobile insurance and reduced Medicare premiums. Schreier would be re-elected as Premier in 1973, and during his second term he introduced mining tax legislation, while also serving as the Minister of Finance from 1972 to 1975, and the Minister of Manitoba Hydro from 1971 to 1977. In 1977, his government was defeated by the Progressive Conservatives, and Schreier would become the leader of the opposition in the legislature. On December 28, 1978, Schreier was appointed to succeed Leger as the new Governor-General. The appointment of Schreier was not greeted happily by all sides. The Calgary Herald would report, quote, Lord Durham, Lord Elgin, and Ed Schreier. The appointment of the young socialist, former Premier of Manitoba, as Canada's Governor-General, has rattled the ashtrays in every conservative old boys club from Victoria to Charlottetown. Ed Schreier altogether sheds the traditional image of the Crown's representative in Canada. End quote. Schreier was sworn in with a ceremony on January 22, 1979, in the Senate chamber. Not only was he the first former Premier to become Governor General, but he was also the first Governor General from Manitoba and the third youngest ever appointed. 
He was the youngest governor general since Lord Lorne in 1883, who was only 38 years old. Schreier would give his oath using the Bible that had been in his family for 128 years by this point. In the Senate chamber, 1,500 people were crammed in to see the moment he was sworn in. In his first address as governor general, Schreier stated, quote, The freedoms we now share and cherish are equal to the best of countries on this planet. They are surpassed by none. They can be greater still. It is not necessary to break the bonds of our common history to do so. To succumb to pessimism, to allow fragmentation, to accept the shattering of the Canadian mosaic, is to break faith with all who endured so much to build so well what we have today. End quote. Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau would state, quote, The reason why we look upon your appointment as an event of historic importance is that, again for the first time, our first family will represent those millions of Canadians who trace their ancestry to countries other than Great Britain or France. End quote. Everyone here agrees the Schreier family has brought new vitality to Rideau Hall, but maintaining their relaxed, informal home life for the next five years won't be easy, living in a house so steeped in protocol and history. Playing the role of Her Excellency has been a big switch for Lily Schreier who during her husband's time as Premier kept pretty much in the background. This was probably one of the reasons why, when she first heard of the appointment, she wasn't too keen on the idea. I thought, first of all, of the, of the children and uh, the change that it would have on, on their life. And uh, I, I didn't think that um, it would be, you know, very nice for them um, because, well, frankly, I was... We were, all of us were quite happy um, the way we were, and uh, I just wasn't looking forward to a, a change at that time and uprooting uh, the uh, family from their schools and uh, moving to an entirely new surroundings, a completely different lifestyle altogether. You know, the first few days were pretty grim, of course, because I had a lot of unpacking to do and spent a lot of time in in a big closet. <laughs> Call it my crying closet. I think everybody should have one. <laughs> and I'd, um, for the first few days, I spent a lot of time in there. But uh, gradually, uh, we've learned to adjust. You no longer do any cooking. You no longer do any shopping, I would imagine. I would imagine housework is totally out. What do you think, after a year, that might begin to bother you? No, I don't think so. So far, I haven't found it at all uh, boring in any way. Not at all, no. I suppose uh, before where I spent a lot of time, you know, cooking and, and cleaning and so on, I, I spent that time doing other things that I didn't have time to do before. I haven't had to adjust with respect to uh, my uh, expectations of what the work or the job was about. That I had a, a fairly good idea of, and I haven't been caught... I haven't been surprised by very much. But on the other hand, uh, certainly I've had a lot of adjusting to do on the social side of things. The number of occasions at which uh, I have to dress in either uh, not only black tie and decorations, uh, the Order of Canada, the Order of Military Merit, but also uh, the occasions when I have to wear uh, what is known as a morning coat to well, formal dinners and events of that kind is rather more than I anticipated. The pace 
of uh, daily events uh, and over the week and over a month is uh, at least as hectic as uh, when I was premier. Uh, on the other hand, the pressure of decision-making is, to be very blunt, considerably less. The arrival of a new governor-general, who was seen as a populist and anti-elitist, was not greeted with enthusiasm on all sides. Lieutenant Governor Frank Lynch Staten of Alberta lamented the lost days of cigars in port, real estate dinners with the new governor-general. When Schreier visited the Quebec Winter Carnival, he was booed by the audience when he gave the opening speech in English as well. Governor-General Edward Schreier was booed tonight when he spoke in English at the opening of the Quebec Winter Carnival. That incident was just part of a busy day for Schreier, a day that finally included a meeting with Premier René Lévesque. Jason Moskowitz reports. René Lévesque's first words in greeting the Governor-General, how elegant. The Governor-General replied, what's happening? Lévesque told him things were pretty quiet. That is, apart from the Quebec Winter Carnival and the bus driver's strike in Quebec City, which isn't helping matters. A half-hour meeting had been scheduled, and apparently no one saw any reason to extend it, because in a half-hour flat, the Governor-General was on his way, telling reporters he had accepted an invitation to visit the James Bay Project next May or June. Of course, the Governor-General had also accepted an invitation to this year's Winter Carnival, and late this afternoon, he took part in a warm-up session. For Edward Schreier, a carnival hat, a carnival scarf, and a carnival sash. For Lily Schreier, a hug and a kiss from Banam Carnaval. A few hours later, the Governor-General opened the 25th annual Quebec Winter Carnival. He had the stage all to himself. Apparently, Quebec government people refused to take part. Schreier was politely received by the crowd, and the night would have gone without incident had the Governor-General not decided to finish his opening little speech in English, Quebec's unofficial language. Jason Moskowitz, CBC News. In his role as Governor-General, Schreier focused on official bilingualism, the environment, and women's issues. He would establish the Governor-General's award in commemoration of the person's case to recognize the work of the famous five. As Governor-General, he would also fly to Port Coquitlam, British Columbia in September 1980 to award Terry Fox the Order of Canada. Typically, the recipient would go to Ottawa for the ceremony, but Fox was battling cancer and Schreier made an exception. To this day, Fox remains the youngest Order of Canada recipient in history. It was to be a private ceremony, but Port Coquitlam residents just couldn't stay away. In the rain, they gathered around the old municipal hall, waiting to catch a glimpse of Terry Fox, the hometown hero they're so very proud of. This was a big day for the handsome young man. His grandmother was in from Manitoba, his aunt and uncle from Alberta. The whole family wanted to witness the occasion. Fox was more than halfway across Canada in his marathon of hope before cancer forced a halt to the run. This afternoon, he became the youngest person to ever receive the Companion of the Order of Canada. In the citation, the words read, uh, they desire to build a better country. And certainly, in a way that perhaps you could never guess would happen, you have uh, indeed succeeded. I'm not a very poetic person, but 
I call to mind uh, two lines from Edwin Markham's uh, A Encrypted Dream. Brave soul that took the long and painful road and helped create a dream that could not fail. That's you. I've always demanded a lot for myself and uh, expected a lot. And when I, when I ran across Canada, attempted to, the attitude I had in doing my very best was something I've always done. And to me, it wasn't a special thing. And uh, it, was, it was special because I, I knew the effort I was putting in. But um, that's why it was hard for me to understand how I could be a hero. And, uh, but I, I think it is a great honor. I, you know, I, I've heard a lot about how I've had a part in maybe helping unite the country, each province. I really, I, that really makes me feel good. It was something, I dreamt of a lot of things on my run, but that was something I never expected. So it, I think it puts an added bonus on the whole thing. After a quiet reception in the council chambers, Fox and his family left for home. He still has thousands of letters and cards from well-wishers to go through. And in a couple of weeks, he'll have to return to hospital to renew chemotherapy treatment. A lover of history, Shire became the first Governor General to stay at Fort Garry, at this point a historic site, since Earl Grey in 1911. Shire, his wife, and four children stayed in the fort in August 1979. It was also the hope of Shire that he could turn the original home of Hudson's Bay Company Governor Sir George Simpson of Fort Garry into a temporary summer residence for Governors General in the future. The family stayed there for 10 days as an experiment towards that goal. Maurice Tarr, the fort superintendent, stated, quote, He insisted that only minimal changes be made and that tourists still be allowed in the house once the family is awake. Naturally, the dining room is closed off when the viceregal family is eating, but otherwise they've made themselves very accessible to visitors. End quote. Schreier would say, quote, Governors General have spent some time vacationing in the Citadel in Quebec City over the past 112 years, and I thought it fitting to spend some time in the West. I can't guarantee my successors will keep up this tradition, but we intend to be back next year. End quote. Schreier would be the only Governor General to stay there. In 1980, Schreier hesitated to call an election after Prime Minister Joe Clark advised him to do so, something that had not happened since the King-Bing Affair of 1925. He gave some consideration to a Liberal NDP coalition before allowing an election to be called. Schreier would also state that he would dissolve Parliament in 1981 and again in 1982 if Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau triggered a constitutional crisis by trying to repatriate the Canadian Constitution without the support of the provinces. After this caused a great deal of controversy, Shire stated that he was only talking in the abstract, and that the situation was not anywhere near a worst-case scenario. There was some support for his comments from those who felt he was within his rights, but others criticized him for it. Senator Eugene Forsey would say, quote, I'm appalled that he should have said this. One of the prime requisites of a governor-general is that he should be discreet. If he finds himself in a position where he thinks he has to do something unusual, then he does do it. But he doesn't go around making speculations. This is perfectly dreadful. He should never, never, never have done it. End quote. The chair of Carleton University felt different, stating, quote, Unlike Forsey, I happen to think it is a good thing that public officials state their views about their functions publicly. It may not be wise politically for a governor-general, and it may be considered in bad taste, 
But in terms of the public right to know, the more a governor general or prime minister discusses his role, the better. End quote. Schreier was known as a governor general who was open and friendly, which went against the usual stiff persona of the office. He would change the prestigious New Year's levy from an invitation-only event to putting out an open invitation in the newspapers, especially for children under 12. Naturally, thousands of people came out to the event. This created criticism in the social circles of Ottawa, with one unnamed person stating, quote, They are classless, tasteless people, and their little girls have foul mouths. End quote. The Ottawa Citizens Social Columnist would write, quote, They're very plebby, terribly ordinary people, you know. His family is straight off the farm. His mother looks like a real babushka. She has a very behind-the-iron-curtain look, and she spends her time teaching people to make quilts, end quote. The wife of an external affairs officer would state to the newspaper, quote, Government House should have a sense of glamour about it. The Schreiers are an anti-elitist because of their socialist background. He is a populist who is not only uneasy with elegance and style, he thinks it is immoral. Schreier and his wife would open up Rideau Hall to make it more accessible to the ordinary Canadians, and they would travel the country extensively. Lily had a strong commitment to helping Canadians with physical disabilities. As part of that, she would have an accessible entrance and elevator installed at the hall so more Canadians could visit. During the International Year of the Disabled, she had the Fountain of Hope constructed and dedicated to Terry Fox, which still sits at the main entrance to the hall today. And while the couple were friendly and open with Canadians, they had difficulties adjusting to their new life. Lily Schreier was said to be less than pleased with the life of living in the fishbowl that was being a governor's general wife. Edward Schreier would say, quote, I taught a course in constitutional government at the University of Manitoba, so I was familiar with the duties of the office, though surprised by the amount of time devoted to social activities. I'm actually less frustrated than I expected to be, though it does happen now and again. Sometimes I can't help but think I would be more fulfilling to be in an active government, but I offset that by reminding myself that, really, this is a golden opportunity to see every part of Canada and to talk freely and private with all kinds of officials and experts." End quote. Schreier would say that he enjoyed receptions and meeting people, but preferred small events to large ones. That being said, he also knew that large events were important, calling it the bread and butter of the job. He would say to the Calgary Herald, quote, I don't like ill-defined social conversation. I prefer small gatherings to large cocktail parties. Sometimes you find someone to talk to at a large party about something of depth and substance, but it doesn't happen often, end quote. On May 14, 1984, his time as Governor-General came to an end. It was said that the only person happier than the new Governor-General was Schreier himself. Despite his joy in leaving the Governor-General post, he had no regrets. He would say, quote, I have no regrets whatsoever. Nostalgia, perhaps, for past associations and achievements, but not regret. Serving as Governor-General of Canada was a completely unthought-of idea to my thinking, but once it was suggested, accepting the task wasn't difficult. I felt I could get to know the country, its people, and its natural geography in a way that no other opportunity could provide. End quote. It was said that of the 1,460 days he was Governor General, Schreier was on the road for half those days visiting people in Canada. During his time as Governor General, 250,000 people came to Rideau Hall as well, and he met with 13 heads of state. One of the most important visits was Pope John Paul II. 
8.40 a.m. Toronto time. The Pope was greeted by bright sunshine, a stiff prairie breeze, and an assortment of church and political leaders, among them Ed Schreier, former Governor General and former Manitoba Premier, now Canada's High Commissioner to Australia. At the airport, the Pope departed from his schedule and walked 100 metres across the tarmac to a cheering, flag-waving crowd where he shook hands and kissed babies. As well, he would make state visits to five Nordic countries, as well as Romania, Greece, Germany, and Greenland. He also presented 1,155 medals and distributed 450 academic medals to students. He also received 98 foreign ambassadors in Canada and signed 14,911 orders in council. He also visited the northernmost point in Canada and the southernmost, broke the sound barrier in a jet, drove a tank, and went down in a submarine. Most of the media criticized his time as Governor-General, likely due to the fact that he was unlike any Governor-General who came before. Charles Lynch of the Ottawa Citizen wrote, quote, His crony and chief courtier, author Farley Mowat, was on national TV Sunday night saying Schreier was the greatest Governor-General Canada has ever had. A fellow viewer asked what Farley had been sniffing and I replied, without hesitation, that what he smelt was hospitality his long spells in residence at a government house as a guest of the Shires and the taxpayers, end quote. After Shires served as Governor-General, he stated he was donating his pension for the next few years from the Post to the Canadian Shield Foundation, an environmental organization. The same day he left his role as Governor-General, he was appointed the High Commissioner to Australia, a post he held until 1988. Back in Canada, he would work as the National Representative for Habitat for Humanity and as an Honorary Director of the Sierra Legal Defense Fund. Beginning in 1989, he would work as a guest professor at universities in North America and Europe, lecturing on the environment, energy economics, and resource geography. From 2002 to 2008, he served as the Chancellor of Brandon University. In 2006, at the age of 70, Shire became the first former Governor-General to run for Parliament after the term had ended. He would lose to his conservative opponent. In 2011, he would endorse Thomas Mulcair for the federal NDP leadership, and in 2015, he would criticize Manitoba Hydro for not looking hard enough towards other renewable energy sources. Despite his age, he ensured his voice was heard. He would say, quote, If I wasn't pushing 80, I'd be tempted to jump back into political life just on the issue of energy alone. End quote. A recipient of the Order of Canada and the Order of Manitoba, a school in his hometown is also named for him. I hope you enjoyed that episode on my look at Ed Schreier. If you did, please leave a rating and review. Next week, we're looking at the first female Governor General in history. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. And I also want to thank all of my wonderful patrons. And I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Sarah White, Tom McMillan, Mike Sullivan, Wendy Mills, Keelan Prignitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard T., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, 
Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nixon Ree, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Governor General of Canada, Manitoba Historical Society, Maclean's, Wikipedia, Vancouver Sun, Calgary Herald, Edmonton Journal, North Bay Nugget, Montreal Gazette, Sioux Star, and the Ottawa Journal. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.